0: What's up everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike gola Jr. That is me. With me as always, a man who you have seen at his lowest moment, but sees the upside, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on?
1: <laughs> All attention is good attention, Mike. How are you doing today? Happy NBA Friday to you, or happy NBA Friday. What am I talking about? It was the NBA last night.
0: Yeah, the NBA opening night last night, and this is the, uh, the manifestation or the mantra of the Draymond Green School of Podcasting, you just said, which is all attention is good attention, <laughs> as we got started with basketball last night by seeing Draymond Green give dramatic monologues on TNT, and then walk into the stadium essentially dressed like the Riddler, ready to go for opening night against the Lakers, because why the hell not after all the off-season drama? Welcome back, This League. It it feels a little
1: bit like there's a uh, there's a connection between Draymond Green and and Tom Brady. Like they have their personal things that that they need to deal with, but everything seems to be timed up well. Like that little break right before the season opener for Draymond, he didn't want to play in those rest of those preseason games,
0: nope. right? Nope. Wanted Wanted no parts of that. It gave him time to go out and start crafting content. And as people here, who always encourage you to subscribe to our content, the Gojo Show, wherever you get yes. your podcasts, downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing, it gave Draymond Green plenty of time to go back, get in front of the cameras, get the folks over at Turner, who we know he's probably going to be going to work for after he's done playing – come around and help him turn out this monologue and the one you and I were referencing here where Draymond Green very dramatically looks in the camera and says I had someone tell me they've seen you at your lowest moment I was told the world
1: has been able to see one of your worst moments look at all the upside you have now And it's a totally, totally different way of looking at it. Like the world has seen one of your, your worst moments. Look at the upside. And I can live, I can live with that.
0: And then he takes like an eight second pregnant pause, does a little lip bite, moves his head around, real dramatic. And then says, but look at the upside now. And talked about reframing his whole perspective. And Brandon, it is a testament to just how dramatic and how profound anything can sound when it's said and looked right down an ISO camera that's shot in a really nice portrait mode with a ring light. Because I have no idea what that statement is supposed to mean. I can kind of infer. I think it's phrased wrong. But again, it sounds great because one, he delivers it masterfully. And two, it's shot in a way that makes everything look like it is very sincere and serious.
1: It's it's the repetition, Mike. It's the pause and the repetition. He says, and and then they told me, imagine the upside of that. Now, imagine the upside.
0: And he's got you sitting there <laughs> thinking, if because you don't understand it, you're not opening <laughs> your mind enough. I don't know yeah. if he's given one, but Third I out. bet Draymond Green would give the fuck out of a TED Talk. Ooh, I mean, he loved. I mean, yes, loves, lo- loves, loves to
1: speak, and and he wore his uh his Riddler green for the uh, opening night. Uh, I, I, he may be watching House of Dragons, which is very, very funny. I found out recently, that that I found out recently that uh, <laughs> black people. Regardless, the the HBO called it the House of the Dragon. We all call it House of Dragons. I just found out recently it wasn't called House of Dragons. So <laughs> But like Allison coming out with the green, ready for war. Yep. Right? But but also but also uh Taylor Swift in the album. Uh, this week, I feel like he might be tapped into the pop culture in that way because, you know, her embracing the snake mentality and whatever the hell else. So, know, it all feels like it's connected.
0: It's a, I wouldn't doubt it here. New media approach to covering all of this from Draymond Green. Uh, speaking of new media here, we've also got a young person who is still currently playing professional sports. Going to join the show today. We're excited to talk to Julian Love, New York Giants safety and captain, former Notre Dame Fighting Irish star as well. Going to stop by and talk about the Giants hot start to the season they're five and one they are one of the hot teams in New York which has plenty of them right now the Yankees moving on to the next round of the postseason as well but uh very cool to catch up with him a guy who Daniel Jones is quarterback Saquon Barkley their running back and certainly Brian Dable their head coach all really people that are very much talked about in the NFL universe and very much at top of mind right now because of how well that team's done
1: Yeah, I mean, at week six this far in the NFL season, for all the articles that come up when you uh, type in the Giants, is are the Giants as good as their record shows? Like, okay, Uh, I think you're on the right side of that.
0: Yes, oh, I'd say you'd take that over the 4-11 and 11 season or 4-12 and 12 season, wherever the hell it was last year. The fact that they've already won more games than they did in the 2021, 2021 season has to be a huge sigh of relief in that building. So we'll talk to Julian about that. Amazing. Super pumped. He's a great dude, awesome guy, awesome representative for the university and that team, and that's why he's a captain in uh, this team. But, Brandon, before we get to that, they opened up the spice rack at the owners' meetings. Man, it uh it is getting mighty mighty testy out there very very quickly. Um we had heard all the talk surrounding Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington Commanders. After the report by Seth Wickersham and the folks over at ESPN talking about how this guy had been out here hiring private investigators to dig up dirt on other owners around the league, on the commissioner, Roger Goodell, all that going into the owners' meetings. And then we got reports last night from Seth Wickersham and Don Van Notta that apparently Jerry Jones and Bob Kraft had a dust-up, where Jerry Jones reportedly told Robert Kraft, don't fuck with me, when they were discussing Robert or Roger Goodell's compensation package. Like, it... it Apparently, everyone just came in there a little testy based on the current situation.
1: Well, I, I imagine uh, you know Robert Kraft just had his surprise wedding, so I don't know if Jerry Jones was invited, a but a a bu- uh, I bet a bunch of those owners were a little bit uh, perturbed that they didn't get the invite, and Tom Brady did, but uh, like, we've known each other way longer, Bob.
0: Yeah. yeah, I've been trying to stab you in the back for years and vice versa. How dare you <laughs> undermine that relationship? But uh, yeah, no, so uh, it started off with a bang there. And in any other news cycle, that would have 100% been the story. Roger Goodell on how much he's paid is something we love digesting as a public. I think they said he's made like $128 million in his career as being the commissioner of the league. It's insane. I understand counting
1: people's pockets, especially in the NFL. But when they asked Obama back in the day, it was like 2013, if Roger Goodell should be getting paid as much. Like, okay, let's let's... Can
0: we stop this? Let's not ask Obama about it. I was going to say, I I would hope Obama's worrying about different shit than how much Roger Goodell is paid to go out here and soak up blows for all these owners, but... You know, any other week, Jerry Jones as part of that headline, Roger Goodell as part of that headline would have been the story. But man, Jim Ursay felt like being the one. So, with all that backdrop of the recent Daniel Snyder article, the ongoing uh, investigation by Mary Jo White that is being done into the workplace and some of those allegations made against Daniel Snyder and company, you had Jim Ursay come out and say, I believe there is merit to removing him, meaning Daniel Snyder, as the owner of the commanders. There's consideration that he should be removed. He said Snyder's issues have a, quote, long, long history, and the allegations of workplace misconduct span more than a decade. Um, Brandon... One of the 31 people in charge of these franchises stepped out and actually said what the public's been saying for a while. I know we're always hesitant to feel like anything's going to happen in these situations, but this feels the most like something that we've had in a while. This feels the most like something that could finally tip the needle in the way that so many of us have thought it should go for quite some time. Yeah,
1: Mike, and I think the messenger is the most interesting part to me. Uh, personally, it's like it seems as if it's the one who has the most dirt out publicly that has the freedom to move and is, isn't afraid of this uh, the boogeyman that is Daniel Snyder and whatever dirt he and his PIs have on him. He's like, Jim Harbaugh is like, okay, no, this isn't what the NFL is about. We all know it's not what it's about. We all know it's kind of what it is about, but we need to make sure we clean it up and make sure it's not what it looks like. It's about yes. here's the direct quote. He said, it's not what we stand for in the NFL, uh, in the National Football League. I think owners have been painted incorrectly a lot of times by various people in various situations. That's not what we're about. And Jim Marseille is right. If they want to clean up the way the the people look or think about the owners from the media, from the fan perspective, from the players' perspective, you have
0: to get guys like Dan Snyder up out the club. And we'd like to believe it's that simple. And it probably should have been in this but we know that's not what drive this like the reason all this is happening now is because reportedly you have pissed off the other owners enough one with these ideas that you're falling around trying to go and air out their business which in something that was described by Daniel Snyder calling the NFL owners a mafia, that's a no-no is stepping out and airing out company, family business in public. So you've got that there. And then there's the fact that Daniel Snyder could not go and secure a new stadium. You're fucking up the cash now. And we know that's the one thing that you really can't do in this group, let alone be the guy that people reportedly don't like very much in that as well. And so all of it leads back to Brandon, because we got statements from Daniel Snyder who... Uh, had leaked a very public letter that he sent to the other owners saying what he thought about the allegations that were lobbed his way trying to push back and deny the reports that he had hired private investigators ever, let alone to dig up dirt on the other owners, acting appalled that Jason Wright, the team president, was not empowered to go out there and create change, as the reporting had suggested. And then you had the Washington football team putting out a statement in response to Jim Ursay's statement saying that, you know, for them, they are surprised that he would come out and say this with uh, an ongoing investigation right now. Um, you know, basically acting aghast that Jim Mersey would accuse them of this and saying that when the investigation and the facts come out that they believe that he would see the error of his ways and that the Snyders aren't going to be selling the team. Brandon, that's the important part to me because all of this just feels like the death rattle of an owner that understands things are finally getting real for him and that he went through everything with the Wilkerson report and felt like he got out of jail free. Because everyone, the first time around, when you had all these women coming out with allegations of sexual harassment, with bullying in the workplace, all these things that went into the Wilkinson Report, you had a team that was essentially forced to clean house. That pointed back to that and said, none of the executives in positions of power, when all of the alleged impropriety happened, are currently there anymore. You had the $10 million fine, and then you had Daniel Snyder... Turning over day-to-day operations of the team to his wife, Tanya, and stepping away. Essentially, what the NBA tried to do with Robert Sarver at the Suns before things went sideways there. Now, the other problem with that was, with that report, it never went public. There was a summary of the findings released. There was a lot of vague stuff about how bad it was there, but nothing that you could do basically creating plausible deniability so Dan Snyder didn't have to sell the team because maybe the other owners were afraid that people would go poking around in their workplace. Maybe it's all the things that we assumed when we saw the Gruden emails come to light, but none of the rest of those Thank emails you. make it out is these are all people that don't want too many folks poking around in their business because when you go looking for trouble, you might just find it in these circles. And so you had all that go on there where they were able to kind of push that away and they and they got away with it. They Like every part of that... Yeah. All of that vagity and all of that anonymity, it ended up having the desired result, which is you had John Gruden lose his job, you had a bunch of people in the uh, commander's organization lose their job, but not the person at the top of this thing. Where this really gets interesting to me, Brandon, and the most, I think, profound thing outside of Jim Irsay actually breaking file, breaking rank in a group of people in the NFL owners that is usually their biggest strength when it's negotiating against the players when it's securing TV rights is we are all in lockstep in what we want and we are never going to publicly show you a, bl- a break in the rank and file because when you've got that kind of unified front, you can get a lot accomplished when you've got a product that people crave the way that they play NFL football. So Jim Ursay coming out and doing different on that front is massive. When the people with money start talking and saying things out loud like that, I've said that for years about the college football playoff and expansion when you hear the power brokers finally say it out loud, they've been thinking about it for a while. And Jim Irsay, I don't want to give him too much credit, but when the money people talk, shit tends to get done. And this is going to be a hard one to put in the box. But the other important part of this that came out was what Roger Goodell said. What Roger Goodell said about the ultimate findings that we're going to see come out of this. And I want to get this right verbatim. So let me pull this up here. Roger Goodell was asked because Jim Ursay went out and pressed and said, we need to be given updates as owners about what this Mary Joe White investigation is finding. What are the specifics of this? What's going on? We need to be made abreast of this stuff so that we can make the proper decision about this guy's future in our league. And Roger Goodell came out and said, quote, it is an ongoing investigation. We did not provide anything because we don't have them. When Mary Joe White is done with the investigation, we'll share pub- that with membership and share it publicly. I was very clear with them. There's no reason for speculation at this point until we have the investigation. So he said, we're going to give it to the owners and we're going to share it publicly, which is the exact thing they didn't do last time. And Daniel Snyder can sit up there and deny private eyes and shit all he want. The last report we had had them guilty enough for them to have to clean the entire house except him. Right, and they were able to make it yeah. vague enough to clear everyone and allow him to keep uh, lose their jobs except for him. And they can point back at the last two years and all of the stuff that they believe has been done well, and the fact that Jason Wright's a likable dude and, by all accounts, seems to be doing a great job and is in a horrible position with this right now. But when that report is made public. I don't know what world exists where, and I shouldn't challenge the NFL and professional sports to find a way to wriggle out of impropriety and keep their money because we've seen them do it before, but that part of, The commissioner saying, oh yeah, no, this is going to be made available to the public feels like that'll provide all the ammunition they need to go out there and be able to get this guy out of the paint if that's what the owners want to do for whatever their reasons are. You just got a commitment that this thing's going to be made public. And so now there's no going back from that and... Jim Irsay, like you said, being the one that already doesn't seem like he has much to lose, who's probably looking at the other owners and say, come on in guys, the water's warm. I've done all my bad stuff in public and I'm still here owning this team. What's the worst that could happen to you? The answer is probably a lot of really bad, but I'm not going to go too far and say that I think Daniel Snyder is in his last days. All of this feels like it. This all feels like a hit dog hollering the last acts of a desperate man who knows his back is against the wall right now. But again, Jim Irsay being willing to come out, step out, and say what he said publicly at this juncture with that kind of pressure where they'd be able to put it to a vote probably in December of this year at the earliest as this report comes out and the findings are there if they had the information that they felt is necessary, which again would just be a justification for doing what they wanted to do. Because if these guys want to do it because Daniel Snyder's an asshole and he stopped making them the kind of money that they think they deserve, that will be why they do it and the rest of this stuff will just be a clever out that allows them to portray it to the public. Like, Holly Anderson over at the, uh, the Shutdown Fullcast does a great job at Channel 6, and I'm paraphrasing here, has often said the phrase, when it comes to especially men in positions of power, they wanted to, so they did. More often than not, Mm. that's what it comes down to. These people wanted to, and so they did. And that's why the Jim Irsay thing feels big, because he wanted to and he did now. And what does that start going forward if all of a sudden more people adopt that? So it's going to be fascinating to keep an eye on. This is a really unexpected Thing Again, because we usually don't get this from people in these ownership positions, from people that are a part of that fraternity within pro football. Um, That was the spice rack that went on at the NFL owners meeting so far. What a middle of the week that we've got going on here. Um, Before we get to two of the other premier figures in the NFL right now who are having themselves a bit of the week here. I uh, want to tell you guys about a way you can get involved with all the sports that we have going on, because we talked about it. We had playoff baseball last night. We had NBA opening yep. night last night. We've got the NFL chewing itself up right now in owners' meetings and stuff. But we'll play football again at the end of this week, and we'll get even more football coming down the pipeline here soon. That's where our friends over at GameTime can come and help you out here. Uh, GameTime is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the biz. It guarantees the lowest price on tickets to all your favorite sports, concerts, shows, you can see and view the seat in the app that you're going to have you can do it all in under 30 seconds it's super easy and efficient i've gone around and been able to use it man the user interface is really easy i am a simpleton and so i like when things are laid out in a way that i can understand and game time takes wherever you're located geographically and it gives you a nice menu here are some of the things available to you here here's what's coming up tonight I'm hoping at the end of this week I have an announcement that Taylor Swift has an upcoming tour next summer. I'd really like to Mm -hmm. see Taylor Swift in a stadium. And if she happens to be in town and I find out the day of, I can go on this app, I can find a ticket for the lowest price I'm going to be able to get it, and then I'll be able to get a look at where I'm sitting and go get involved in the action and see one of my favorite artists of all time. You can do that as well. It is that easy. Cheap tickets, last minute all available at your fingertips. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and redeem the code Gojo for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's Gojo. $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Download Game Time, last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Uh, hey. Hey. Clippers play the Lakers on Thursday. Mm. Might be able to get nasty if I don't want to go and buy Clipper Vision or whatever weird streaming app that they're trying to sell me right now, which I'm. De- I want to know, like. I know we always make jokes about it being a Lakers town in Los Angeles. How many people are really going to go all in on Clipper Vision and want to watch all of that stuff? Like,
1: Yeah, especially who's already paying for Spectrum.
0: Right. Like, I'm already giving money to a million different streaming apps at this point. I'm downloading other apps that are telling me how much money I'm spending on apps just so I can ignore how much I'm spending on apps with that knowledge. <laughs> the last thing I need to do is add Clipper Vision, whatever the shit that ends up going to be. Um, Brandon, uh, something that we definitely might want to tap into though, is what's going on with Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. Um, I love mm. them together because I think when we look at the week that both of them have had. There's kind of a parallel experience that's gone on, right? With two quarterbacks that have been, in Tom Brady's case, the greatest we've ever seen do it, and in Russell Wilson's case, one of the premier winners of the last decade of sports since he entered the league in 2012. Been a Super Bowl champion, multi-time Pro Bowler, we know the MVP thing, we don't have to get into that, but he's been one of the name guys at the name position in the league. And we saw both of these guys for so long in their organization as these unassailable football robots. Both of these guys, PR gods, the guys that very much embodied the don't-say-anything-offensive-ever model of playing quarterback, and then going out and matching it at a high level. They seemed so football-obsessed that you were never going to knock them off their perch. And now they're both in different spots, and it seems like they're going through it in very different ways here recently, Brandon. And based on the way that's happened with Russell Wilson leaving Seattle where he had always been viewed as part of the solution being looked at by many as the one being done wrong they're not letting Russ Cook if you're going to choose between him and Pete Carroll people like me said you should choose Russell Wilson he's in his you know he's in his early 30s he plays the toughest position to find he's been super durable all these things about the trajectory there Then this guy leaves and goes to Denver where he's supposed to be the answer to their problems. He's supposed to be the one you plug in after all this quarterback hell they've been going through. And that's going to get you to the promised land. And now he's banged up and the team has played like shit. Tom Brady left New England and managed to go win the Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. Huge narrative moment. The sports talk conversation we've been having for a fucking decade now got decided on the field. And that guy's doing it, showing more personality than ever. Drunk on the boat after his Super Bowl celebration, doing all these commercials. We felt like we were getting more Tom Brady than ever before. And now for Tom going through what a period, you know, the reported divorce off the field. The team on the field started the season beat up and not performing well. Tom's on the sidelines screaming at his players. You get the reports about him missing the walkthrough to go to Bob Kraft's wedding. All of a sudden, this guy that looked like a football robot that would march on forever and make us all miserable not only looks more human on the football field than we've seen in a while, but more human in general. We're getting more of his life than ever, and it, it just seems like it's so strange It's like growing up as you start to learn more about your parents, right? Like when you're a kid, Mm. you look at your parents and they're the authority figure in your life. They're the people who you look to for guidance, who have their shit figured out all the time that you want to be like. And then you get older and you get to be adults and you start to have different relationship with your parents where you get to learn more about. All right. Most adults are just out here trying to figure it out as they go, trying to try, you know, figure right. out and, and make up the path along the way and don't necessarily have it together nearly as well. And that's a jarring experience, especially with sports heroes, because we love to project all of our good, valued shit onto these guys. And Russell Wilson and Tom Brady have been perfect screens for that for a decade plus.
1: Yeah, uh, they really have, Mike. And it's been... It's like half the populations who have divorced parents. At some point in time, you gotta take them off the pedestal and realize they're just, you know, Jack and Jane, or you know, they're just regular people and they're trying to make it happen. Like even if you get to the point where you ask your parents how old they were when they made some of these big, huge life decisions that affected you, it's like, oh, you were were in your 20s? Yeah!
0: (laughs) Oh, I mean, look, the parallel between parents and athletes, by the way, and having to make monumental life-changing decisions involving huge sums of money in your early 20s oh, is man. fucking crazy. Affect so many about. people? Yes. Yeah. You're making decisions <laughs> that will affect the lives of others. As a parent, it's your life. And as the quarterback of a team who's 25 with more money than God and the hopes and dreams of the franchise on your back, it's a daunting task. And no wonder they're not doing it perfectly there, because who could in most of those circumstances...
1: Yeah, but I think it's interesting because Tom Brady had so much early success with the Buccaneers, obviously winning the Super Bowl. But it seems like it's that's more indicative of what Tom Brady does. Like he had that early success as soon as he got a chance to start for the Patriots and never came off the field. Like he, he starts hot and then works through the adversity as it goes on, but it doesn't seem like he has the time, patience, or or energy to fight through this adversity that's in front of him with the Buccaneers right now. Well, that's
0: the interesting part to think about, right? Is who is actually positioned between these two guys. And you could lump Aaron Rodgers into this, maybe too, based on what he had happened yeah. to him last season, but the play was still yeah. really good last season. So it's, it's just interesting. It's happening to both these guys. Now I would say Tom Brady is much better positioned to be able to pull out of this tailspin, right? Half the reason we get to have this conversation is because Russell Wilson's getting MRIs on a hamstring that might have been injured late in their game in the day loss day. against the Chargers on Monday Night Football. He's already yeah. got that muscle, muscular tear or slight tear in his shoulder that he's been nursing. We're going to have a very similar situation to what happened with Baker Mayfield last year, where we know someone is going out there hurt. Because, man, hamstrings don't get better during the season. They don't. Unless you're going to sit no. Russell Wilson down for a long time, hamstrings do not get better during the course of a football season. And all the reporting is trying to really hammer home that this is a very serious injury. That's not going to get better. That team's already banged up. Javante Williams out for the year. Garrett Bowl's out now. You already lost so many parts that would have helped you do winning football. And the quarterback's banged up and not playing great. Tom Brady's at least healthy. Tom Brady's team around him is getting healthier. Like You got some of those parts back up front you've still got Mike Evans in that wide receiver room. If Chris Godwin's able to stay healthy and on the field, like he's definitely in better position to turn it around.
1: Yeah. I mean, and Russell Wilson, just, there's just no foundation there. Uh, You hear about Marshawn Lynch and, and, and uh, Richard Sherman talking about Russell Wilson and trying to reach out to him and they couldn't get it. Could I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to see who couldn't reach out. It sounds like uh, Marshawn Lynch tried to reach out, to a struggling Russell Wilson and only got to his manager and was very upset with it and says, If I can't call you direct, I ain't calling you, especially if I went to war with you. So I I only bring that up, Mike, is because I think it is the tangibles or the intangibles, the the all the different things that are surrounding Russell Wilson and Tom Brady that were antics that we ignored when they were putting results out on the field, right? The fact that Russell Wilson was just like different character of a personality didn't matter because it seems like whatever happened, whatever uh, cat-and-mouse game between the Legion of Boom and Russell Wilson resulted in in winning games on the field. Now that that's not the case, is he an actual franchise leader, or is he a talented quarterback? Like, There is a difference between the two.
0: There is. Well, I think it's what you mean by that, right? Because as someone who's the face of a franchise, Russ does a really good job. He is everything you want a CEO to be, standing in front of the podium, right. look, looking, sounding, all the things you want to project onto what you think a CEO quarterback should be. Yeah, personality-wise, he seems to be a little bit of a different cell. I don't want to go too much because I think there's been a lot of people that are unloading some frustrations about Russ that feel pretty personal in ways that I don't get right now. Like, this guy has been known for basically three things as long as I can remember in his career, right? Like, obviously, besides the the off-the-field stuff. I'm talking about on the field, Right. Russell Wilson has been known for being an insane competitor when it comes to his desire to go out and win. So much so that while we mock him and meme him for it, the pregame routine, all that stuff that feels extra and over the top, is at least grounded in this guy is trying to go and make sure at all times he appears to be pointed in the direction of winning. He has been insanely durable, and he has been one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL, statistically and otherwise. I went back and looked, and I believe I got this right in True Media that if you go back to 2012 when Russell Wilson got in into the league as far as deep passes so plays of 15 or more air yards down the field which qualifies as a big play. Russell Wilson since 2012 is number 1 in passing touch- passing yards per game in that category. Damn. Like he is One of the best at that particular aspect of football. And now you go to this season. He is banged up, so you're not getting the durability of Russell Wilson. They're certainly not pushing the ball down the field in any sort of meaningful way, so you're not getting that aspect of Russell Wilson. And so having the insane competitor that I still believe is certainly in there, but then in a different context, because you pointed that out, and I think that's the big part for both these guys, right, is context is so much of the situation. We talk about how important it is where quarterbacks land. When you're at a place where you've always been viewed as part of the solution. And when, listen, you're also a different person at that point. Like, I've never talked to a guy who said anything less than Tom Brady was a really good teammate. Like, we had buddies that played in New England with Tom, and all of them said really complimentary things about the fact that this guy that's been the GOAT for a long time at this point has still been able to come in and be insanely relatable to teammates and be a great locker room guy. Like, all that stuff's been true, so... He's now 45 or whatever doing this. He's going through a lot of stuff in his life. He's so much older than his peers that some of this friction seems like it could have been inevitable if we just thought about it from that light, but... For Russ, especially for him, when you rob so much of the physical stuff, and we've already talked about how he hadn't been even running the ball as much as he used to, so that tool has been used less and less in the toolbox, and now you take away the durability and all that other stuff, and you're just left with a set of circumstances that isn't changed, and when you're the quarterback in this league, and you're brought into an environment to be the change agent. You look at a situation like Minnesota, Kirk Cousins has played really good Pro Bowl-level football at times for them, but he hasn't gotten them over the postseason hump that he was supposed to, and so we're always going to look at that as a pass-fail-grade of fail. That's what Russell Wilson was brought over here to do in Denver, and so far the results have been disastrous. They have been disastrous, Mike, but I do think we can blame the jersey a little bit.
1: Because one thing we hear from Russell Wilson in in these pressers is, I'm built for this. I'm built for the good times and the bad times. I'm built for the ride. Let's ride. And if you look at his uh, history and you look at his receipts, he actually is right. Like Russell Wilson has been terrible at point in times during the season and then turned it on yep. and, and, and had a, a nice little run and and picked it up and everyone's so happy to be around him. But it seems like Russell Wilson is is setting himself up for the same fate as a lot of former quarterbacks for the Denver Broncos the
0: difference is most of those guys were draft picks for them and that was a failure of scouting on their part and this could still be that right with Russell Wilson I think part of this here is also yeah, it's them. also perception, right? We looked at the Broncos roster and said quarterback away. Everything about that else is Super Bowl ready. The defense has held up that end of the bargain. There's plenty of parts of the offense that nec- haven't necessarily been that way. Some because of injury. Some because the offensive line, I think, a step back in production. And then you have Russell Wilson, who let Russ cook all that stuff in the last few years. I think we let some of that really what felt like prolonged saga of him and Pete butting heads influence and have a lot of us, myself included. I'll just, I'll, uh, again, I'll try and make this an I, me, my thing. I looked at that and always thought, well, Russell Westbrook is being held back by a head coach who wants to live in an era of football that may have passed us by a little more, where you can win on defense in a run game the way that they did during those early years with the Seahawks. Now we're looking and saying, all right, there might have been signs that Russell Wilson was not the same guy that we saw for the majority of the middle of those 20 teen years and that we should have seen that coming. So that context and that change in that highlights all of that. And when you have those two forces coming together plus injury, you get what we have now. And that's why to go back to the kind of the overall point with this for Tom Brady as much as the off the field stuff seems to have been an aggravator around here and we're hearing more about it because they're losing there's a very real chance they can write that shit because the NFC South is not a great division and this is a team with still a ton of talent on it that just has struggled to put it together early in this portion of the season with the uh, Denver Broncos, they're probably screwed because this team is injured in too many places including quarterback and is in way too good of a division in the AFC West to think you're going to go out there and figure that up stuff on the fly with the core of your team as beat up as it is. I'm, I'm even off of talking about how great the
1: AFC West is. Honestly. Well yeah, I, I mean, mean the like Chargers right didn't need paper. overtime
0: to beat that Denver Broncos team, so that's a good point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right uh, with, a, with a kicker with one leg like I, I, I'm I a little I think we did a lot of we do this every year preseason talking about you know crowning people on paper and I think we crown that division on paper it's, it's top heavy because it has the Chiefs in it and I mean hell the AFC East may be
0: just as com- more competitive than the AFC West. I don't know about that. Just because, like, it'd be it'd be a different story if nothing had ever happened with Tua, and we had gotten to see what the Dolphins were going to okay. look like as a complete outfit. Because you know, you're right. But it's the top heavy. It's the top heaviness. It it
1: is. Like if everyone's trickling, eating off the trickle. Because the Patriots well, are going to be a lot better than we think they, they are. They are,
0: but again, so much of this, and this is the difficulty in trying to do too much of this division stuff once the season gets going, because for so much of it, it has been the curse of the Chargers, an injury there, the Denver Broncos, an injury there, the Raiders maybe just being the Raiders type thing and dealing with this division, but gave the Chiefs a hell of a game. Like, you looked at that, and then the sample size where they're playing against the team, it still looks pretty good, yeah. so it, it's... It's a situation where I just think it's hard for the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson because he's so banged up to write this. Tom Brady might still have a chance. That is uh, a busy, dramatic, chaotic week that's been going on in the NFL. So we are going to take a quick break, take our breath, and talk to a member of a franchise that's not dealing with any of those problems right now. Life is good for the New York Giants, and we're going to talk to their safety, Julian Love, about what's gone into making this season a success for New York so far.